my mom never learned how to cook. So when grandma wasn't around, I was raised on TV dinners and fast food. So then I went to uh, RIT to... I skipped a lot of years there, just so you know. That was a, that was a big time jump. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Brian Miller here, and welcome back to One New Person, the show where we take a closer look at chance encounters to remind ourselves that every interaction is meaningful and every person we meet is important. Today is a first for the show. Not one guest, but two. JP and Julia are partners in life and in business. Together, they run the wildly successful YouTube channel, Healthy Junk Food, a comedy cooking show with over two million subscribers. Julia and I met over a decade ago in college when we were both briefly music business majors. JP and I met for the first time right here on the podcast and hit it off instantly. In this episode, we discuss how to build and leverage a brand in the digital world, how to get the most out of industry events and conventions, and of course, JP and Julia share their brand's story of a chance encounter with lasting impact. Thanks for listening, and please enjoy. All right, JP and Julia, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, this is so exciting. Yeah, it's hey, and it's it's. Uh, I know we were just chatting before we were hit record, but like it's it's great to see you again, Julia. JP, you and I are meeting kind of face to face via the interwebs for the first time here. I know, um, I love it. <laughs> it's a, and and for what it's worth, what we're doing right now is nothing short of a miracle. And I occasionally forget that, like, like the modern world, like the technology to do this in real time, like across the world is an unbelievable. So, yeah, just, I agree. It's like our job. Just the other day, I'm like, listen, Carmen, I have to get back to work. Can someone hand me some crayons and some scissors? <laughs> <laughs> Is that is so so when you meet someone for the first time these days and they ask you what do you do is that how you answer uh, I, I play with crayons and scissors what what's your answer to that question Oh man that would impress them too much um, <laughs> I think what we like the the inner like the term that's used is content creator it doesn't sound as exciting but that's the name we got. So Julia, you came yeah. up with some better names, right? No, I've, like I've been fighting media with company, that. <laughs> multimedia company? No, a micro-media company, what? I think Ooh. makes the most sense. Yeah, right? That's sexy. Essentially, that's what we're doing. Um, Can you but flesh it out We wear a lot yeah. more hats. Mm -hmm. Like, content creation isn't just producing. It's, you know, editing, writing, scripting, acting. Uh, and then it ends up becoming this whole ensemble. And uh, so, yeah, micro-media company. Micromedia company. So, okay, so we're speaking the same language because I run an incredibly not successful YouTube channel comparatively. Um, although I hit 10,000 subs this year. I was proud of that. Yes. Big milestone, big milestone. Monetization. <laughs> I was proud of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but having said that, for for listeners who, you know, I think sometimes we forget that when you're in this world, you know what all these words mean and we all kind of speak the same language. But if, you know, like my grandma listens to this podcast. So can you flesh out like what is a kind content creator. What does that what does that even what does that mean to you? I think the reason why I don't like the term content creator is it's so vague because anyone can post videos or create videos and put them on the internet and essentially be called a content creator if you own a channel. Now, you could be a singer, an actor, a magician <laughs> like you. Um, you know, you can be a chef, you can be an educator, you can be a DIY person, you can just sit there and play with slime and toys and you can be a content creator. So I think essentially 
if you have a talent or have something that people want to see and you also like creating videos, then you are a content creator. Now, it doesn't matter if you're big or small, anybody can be one. So what's interesting to me in that, apart from mentioning chef in a list of things you could be as a content creator, you haven't either of you personally identified yet as chefs. Is there a reason for that? Um, I think that chef is like that touchy word where actual chefs that have gone to culinary school or then there's chefs that have been taught in industry frown upon me stuffing cheeseburgers inside hot dogs and deep frying <laughs> it. And they might be like, that's not a chef. But deep down in my core essence of the word chef, I think that it applies to anybody that's willing to take risks in the kitchen with ingredients and some knowledge of cooking. And I think considering like the chefs out there, like the Gordon Ramsay's and, you know, uh, the Rachel Ray's considering uh, Bobby Flay, um, they're some of them like Bobby Flay is out there and actually in the kitchen, in the restaurant serving customers. JP and I are more like home chefs and we like every project is different for us. We're not considerably cooking for uh, a wedding or something like that. So I think it's just different roles that you play. Um, and actually, I do have an apron that says Chef Julia on it, but it's all in good fun. You know, we're just kind of doing it for entertainment purposes. <laughs> yeah, I think mine says like executive chef. For yeah. what I mean, for what it's worth, I am. Yeah. I am you ex- can print anything on a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> These days, uh, career in YouTube, like YouTuber, is has actually become the number one answer when they ask kids. I forget what age it is, but there's that that kind of um, across the board national study that every kid in America at least is asked at some age, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And they use that as generations go to see where the culture is going. And like the number one answer for years now has been YouTuber. So when I say the phrase career in YouTube or YouTuber, like what's the first thing that comes to mind? What what hits you when I say career in YouTube? Wow. I would say uh, competition's getting harder. So now there's probably going to be schools that are literally going to teach people best practices on how to make videos as this mm-hmm. evolves. Because if it's a lucrative career, a lot of people are going to want to do it on top of it being cool because it looks cool to them. So I think that there's gonna be a lot of advances in that. I feel I feel like these kids yeah. are just gonna be super savvy with editing and just like slay it and make, hopefully, you know, you're gonna have your dark side and good side like Star Wars. You're gonna have your people that create beautiful artwork and then you're gonna have the these destructive people making money off of like, just very like unethical manipulative crap. But you know, that's, that's part of the, the world. We have, I mean, we have, we have that now, don't we? I mean, a little bit. I mean, for, for every (laughs) Peter. Yeah. I I think, you know, the good thing for the kids is that more and more YouTubers are hitting that million subscriber number and more people, the younger generations are growing up, the Gen Zers, they're watching YouTube. It's their first place. Google owns YouTube. It's just kind of where everything is. If the kids would be smart, I think they should go to the internet for for in part of any type of business that they run. No matter what, if they're an engineer, if they're a construction worker, if they're um, a musician, make a website. There's going to be opportunities out there that you're going to find by jumping on the internet. And, you know, Google is a good place to be. I don't think Google's going anywhere. And I don't think YouTube's going anywhere. So I would say might as well try. 
I mean, there, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, alternatives and competition to YouTube over the years and just nothing even comes close. Uh, what do you think it is about YouTube in particular that's just drawing people in as opposed to the all the other video sites that try to pop up and have their own spin on it? For like the younger people, it's definitely a cultural thing. It's like how we were raised. So I think when you're raised on a certain platform, whether it's Sega Genesis or Nintendo, you're kind of like brand loyal to that. So plus they've cultivated some like huge relationships and YouTube is all about relationship building. So these people will listen to these people, be inspired by them. And if they're only going to be on YouTube, why the hell would they go anywhere else? Yeah, I, I guess so. And it was it was interesting that you you went right to the kind of, uh, Julia, the future of education. Um, you were kind of both hitting on, on that. Uh, the first guest of this season uh, of the show was actually Seth Godin. And he's been talking a lot about education lately. And he and I got on that topic for a long time that it feels like traditional education is about to collapse. The public school system and especially uh, colleges, universities, are just the whole way we've been doing education for 150 years is just at a tipping point right now. Do do you see do you see YouTube as as being an integral part of maybe the push over that edge? You're going to need uh, colleges for people that are in the medical field. You're going to need that for engineers. You're going to need that for some specific types of sciences and stuff like that. I don't think that. Um, you would be like, okay, doctor, where'd you learn how to, to do this surgery? Oh, I learned from YouTube. That's not going to make me feel safe. Um, but for if you want to become a musician, possibly you wouldn't go to music school. I feel bad saying that because I got a degree in music. But that's part of kind of my thought process on it. It depends. And I think where you're spending your money on education, you'll just maybe the, the younger demographic of people are going to choose wisely based on what they really want to do in their lives. Since you brought up uh, music and music school, uh, folks would have already heard me mention this in the intro, I assume, hopefully future me, uh, made past me happy by remembering to do that, but um, you and I met in college. We both went to SUNY Oneonta, which, by the way, side note, don't let me forget to come back to the recent series of videos that just by pure coincidence were filmed at uh, our alma mater. So you you were a music, was it music industry? Is that what it was? Music industry major? What? Okay. So I could feel you be like, ah, I don't want to talk about it. I feel like it. I'm being called out. <laughs> but did you have uh, aspirations within the music industry? Like, what was it that you thought you were going to go out and do or you hoped to do? I actually, I, I have a story that got me to music industry, too. So I started uh, college uh, getting an education degree, and then I realized I didn't know what I wanted to teach. So my grandfather, who is an economist, he, or, or was, very retired now, um, he was like, you need to get a business degree. So I go change my major to business like within the first day. And like my first year, I'm studying all economics and all this type of stuff. And like, that's what I'm good at. But then once I got to the math part, I'm like, I couldn't, I, like I, I'm good at pre-calc. And then I get to calc, I'm like, eh. And then it's like the set, the calc two, I'm like, get me out of here. I'm like going mad. I'm, uh, I'm Asian and calc two is very <laughs> difficult. So I agree with her. I had to quit it. So I changed my major. <laughs> I took a few music classes for fun, and, and I was like, okay, they, those are A's. I might as well pretend to go for a 4.0, just like with aspirations. Like, I'm going to do it. Did I? Uh, you know, so I, I changed my major to music industry because it just it seemed like if I was to get a job doing something like that, at least I would be happy 
And that's what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and I already took so many classes. I was like, I better freaking get a degree. <laughs> um, JP, I don't, I don't know your background at, at all. I was adopted from Seoul, Korea by Italian parents, Calabrese and Sicilian. I was raised eating the best Italian food from my grandma, my nana, Fortunata, Vita, and uh, my mom never learned how to cook. So when grandma wasn't around, I was raised on TV dinners and fast food. <laughs> so then I went to uh, RIT to... I skipped a lot of years there, just so you know. That was a, that was a big time jump. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. just, I just didn't want this to go on too long. Nothing else was um, exciting. I, when I was a child, I sat in front of the TV. Anyway, so then I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I went to RIT and got a degree as a mechanical engineer and... Before that, just similar to you guys, did computer science for two years, didn't like it. And then I had to spend five years doing the engineering degree. It was a very long time in school, seven years. Did anything about your degree or your process in mechanical engineering actually help or, or lead to this career? And, and I can come back to Julian in a moment for this. Kind of the same question because you've got engineering, which is largely about... Um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an engineer, but largely about design thinking, who's it for, what's it for? And I feel like those questions are really important when it comes to building a brand and building YouTube. Did, did you feel like that was helpful? I did. You know, I didn't preface a lot before bringing, you know, I skipped that 20-year gap from baby adopted to college. But when I was probably like three, four years old, I wanted to be uh, like a movie star. You know, people are like, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a movie star, mom. She goes, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so I was just like, I never got spots and plays and stuff. And I'd see these kids act. And I'm like, yo, you were so bad at acting. Like, I could totally <laughs> slay this right now. And I never got a part. But I would, like, act with my mom growing up. And I got into film when I got my first camcorder. So I really, really just wanted to make movies or director, just actor, anything to do with movies. That's just all I wanted to do. But my parents, being an Italian, not Asian, but ironically acting very Asian parenting, they're like, no, you're going to be an engineer or you're going to do something that's going to pay you, give you money because you got expensive tastes. You like those stupid Air Max, you know, Nike Air Max, uh, you know, they're like $175 sneakers. And as a kid, that's kind of ridiculous. My parents wouldn't do it. So I worked two jobs just to like get the sneakers I wanted. So they kind of sold me on that. So I'm like, all right, I'll be an engineer. But I and, think there's a way that you got to, you know, where you are now with your engineering as well. And how yes, you use it. You I use worked, it a lot now, too. I worked for about 10 years as an engineer before we quit the YouTube or we quit to do YouTube. Hmm. And during that time, I did grow a lot. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about actually I learned that I had a lot of free time on my hands. So I learned a lot of editing and I was on Lynda.com doing a lot of that. Um Oh, I'm sorry. What, what what is that? Lynda.com? Probably one of like the old like learning education sites. You spend oh, no some kidding. money and you learn stuff, and it's worth it for me because I couldn't Google what I want to learn. It was so primitive. Like I need to mm. just learn like shutter speed and autofocus and you know all that stuff and theory behind it. Mm. And and these classes are really good for learning all that. 
But what Julia's saying is now we've kind of combined my engineering abilities and her cooking abilities to, to join forces as one with a lot of these videos that we've been doing recently. Yeah, how, how does that um, how does that collaboration work out? Is is there a clear division of roles? And and you know what? Before we even really get into that, um, why don't you guys give me the synopsis of Healthy Junk Food? Like, what is your channel? Who's it for? What's it for? Healthy Junk Food originally was a healthier way to make your favorite junk food at home. Whether it's Big Macs, potato skins, Crunchwrap Supremes, we were finding ways to just chop the calories out of it. But as everything needs to pivot in life and evolve, we uh, decided, hey, let's just make the same thing we were doing before, like super large. And then (laughs) that became really successful. And as a smart business person, if something's working, keep doing it. Uh, to this day, we always like to um, evolve and kind of change and do different things because for our own sanity, we like the variety. But it's essentially a cooking, comedy cooking channel. Comedy cooking channel. Yeah, that was interesting. And in, in doing my, I was about to say research, but really it was just sort by date and reverse on your channel. I was looking at your your early videos because I, uh, to be honest, I really just discovered your channel within the last two years. I, I just I actually happened upon it, and my my brain just kind of broke when because it came up in the algorithm on YouTube on my YouTube, and I was like, I know her. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, wait a second, you know? and uh, you know it's funny how time does that. It's been almost well for me. It's been ten years since I've been out of school, and the difference in what some people have done, you know, since college is in the span of 10 years is unbelievable. And I think partly these days accelerated because of the internet, where in previous generations, you may be, people may not have been able to make those, those kind of changes and that kind of growth quite as quickly or efficiently. Um, the early videos, I, you know, your first video, which has a ton of hits, probably because once you guys blew up, people wanted to go back and see the first video. You remember what it was? Uh, yeah, potato skins. The potato, the, yeah, creamy garlic. I I had such Horrible a blast title. watching the creamy garlic <laughs> loaded mashed potato skins recipe video because first, Julia, you were not in it at all. The quality of the video itself was, you know, lackluster. I'm sure we can all agree. <laughs> like the, you know. It was was an iPhone 4. It was the first video. It was an iPhone 4. We're lucky we didn't film it in portrait. That's how stupid we were back then. We're we're lucky we even filmed it. We just wanted to cook something healthy. JP's like, but I want to remember the recipe. Is it okay if I record it? And I was like, I'll record you. Because as much as like I loved being on camera, I didn't really get what the footage was going to be used for. So I was like, I don't know what you're editing this into. I wasn't ready yet. Um, so actually yeah. the first several videos, I wasn't in it because I was confused. <laughs> was it a slow, gradual change from the early, like we're making videos where there was a real focus on the recipes in the first couple of seasons, the first couple of years of your channel where you really were putting the recipes and the ingredients up. And lately it feels like the cooking has almost been sidelined. It's really not, it doesn't seem like it's as big of the point of your videos anymore. Uh, is that how you feel about it? And like, how did, how did that happen? We, we learned that being the face on camera is more important than the food being the face on camera for longevity. Otherwise people might just cherry pick you, just watch you because they just need that recipe. Mm -hmm. Maybe never come back again. Maybe not get not get invested in the long term with you. So we just wanted to adapt more personality 
And it also depends on the recipe because some recipes we will want to show more detail. But when we're making something giant and stupid, like people don't need the recipe, you know, like just watch. <laughs> they just want just, the wow. Yeah. You know, people's reactions. But we did a Chipotle one recently and that made sense to give people recipes um, because they can make it at home. They're going to enjoy it. I'm not going to give you a recipe on how I do this this disgusting stuff I've done. I've had like a, a dog bone where I put like meat on it and I made like a drumstick, you know, like a yabba dabba do. No one should ever do no, that. It's terrible. No one it's gross. Actually, that. I don't think that you should have even eaten that. I know. I took a couple bites. It's really gross. I probably shouldn't have done that. Yep. And that's Seems why like a terrible people subscribe. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that's, why and that's how you go viral. <laughs> well, hey, did did I did I see this wrong? Did Jeff Goldblum uh, retweet one of your things recently? <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is uh, goals. Yeah, he. I guess he found this picture of me with the giant grilled cheese in my hand, and this is a very old photograph, and um, probably what 2015, 16. 16, yeah. And uh, I mean, there's no credit to me on there. It doesn't say healthy junk food all <laughs> over it, but it's cool to be like, oh, he liked my grilled cheese. He's not looking at me. He doesn't know who I am. I'm really curious. I want to dig in a little bit about the process of developing a brand because we hear more and more about for anybody in any field, whether you have an employer or whether you're self-employed about the the personal brand um, being like your greatest asset, I think even, even more so now for people who are traditionally employed because those jobs aren't safe anymore. And the best way to have job security is to have developed such a community of people who trust you that if that job goes away, there will be a different job ready for you. Someone will be glad to bring you over. Um, so I'm curious about that process of developing a brand it's so clear as you just scroll through the timeline from your oldest videos to your newest ones the the that it's such a gradual you, you can see if you just do that quick scroll you can see you testing things and trying things different graphics different should should we be in the thumbnail should it be the food in the thumbnail can you take me through that process of developing a brand i think the main thing is is you have to start so if somebody says oh i want to do something okay do it you know, I want to make a video, start. You know, and one, one thing I, I would look at, healthy junk food specifically, and say, you know, this is this is a name. This is this is not even a real word. You know, I think us starting like that probably wasn't the smartest thing. Um, fortunately, it has become something, you know, where you can look up on, like, healthy and spell healthy, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y, junk food on Google. You may find healthy junk food spelled H-E-L-L because Google's starting to see relevance in that. But... If I was to start over, and, and we actually kind of have with the second channel, just be our names, JP and Julia. You are your own brand. And I think that that's what would be kind of the best way to look at anything that you do. You know, you are always representing yourself. You are your, your own brand. Yeah, because no one can steal you, um, but they could steal healthy junk food. And what we also learned was a lot of people that brand themselves have sub-brands below them. So it's just like everything is Johnson & Johnson, but Johnson & Johnson owns Clorox. You know, they own, and that's kind of where you become a real secure empire because you start with a very solid foundation, which is yourself. Even JP and Julia isn't really branding us as individuals. It's branding us as a unit, which I think it made sense for us because we built this together. We are a unit. We, we are the yin and the yang. 
so the thing is with healthy junk food, um, if we are to run into somebody that watches the channel, they're like, oh my God, healthy junk food. And JP does this thing where he says, um, I actually, I'm JP. Like, I don't come up to you and say, hey, are you Target? <laughs> exactly. But we have a ball. I've never you know? said that to anybody. It's no, just, I, just it's, a, it's a bad joke. Are, are there, are, kind of drilling into this though, are, are there misconceptions or what are the the big misconceptions that people have about being a YouTuber that you just you just wish you didn't have to answer and respond to over and over and over again? That's there's a good a, one. There's That's several, good... actually. One, <laughs> one is the kind of idea that we don't do anything. Work. <laughs> yeah. that, that one hurts. That one stings the most, probably. Oh, what? You just cook and post videos. What do you guys do? You just Sometimes eat? Sometimes people eat, imply that. I'm like, well, no. You know, I I, I don't want to be like, I do, I do. we run a business. We, you know, we we post, we we act, we film, we, you know, and the list goes on. We we talk to businesses and brands and create advertising campaigns. We build a website. We run social media. It doesn't end like on the list. So my my perspective is people mm-hmm. watch the video back. They just see what you're doing, but they don't see how it was made, right? Like the whole video. They just see you like almost like if you're just a talent on a food travel show. Which does happen in a lot of cases for actors, which kind of we resemble in their eye possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be really cool if like... I didn't have to worry about all the other hats. Mm-hmm. So the people watch this and they're like, oh, you just you just uh, eat food and, and they pay you. Like, <laughs> like, how do you make? And the other big question is, so how do they pay you? Like, how do you make money? Like, mm-hmm. I'm just watching this. Yeah, I don't get that. All the time. That's that's one we get asked. That's probably the number one question we get asked. How do you get paid? Like, is it through sponsorship? Like, do, do you have to hold like Rice Krispie treats? And and I'm like, oh my god. Like, ugh. kind I mean, of yeah. I mean, maybe. Yeah, so be. so the answer is so gray there. We're like, I mean, that is a sort that is a form of revenue. Like, but no, it's like TV. I always, we always say, mm-hmm. how does how did you watch TV for free? Because you had to sit through three minutes of gosh darn commercials. That's why. <laughs> more commercials on TV, it seems like. Way more commercials. Right? Yeah. I watched TV the other day. I'm like, how did I get through this? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, watching, I don't, I haven't watched live TV in ages. And, like, we had it on the other day. And when the commercial comes up, I'm like, ah, what do I do for three minutes, you know? <laughs> bathroom break. You could actually take a bathroom break. You know, I miss traditional TV so much. That I'm going to be that old school guy that says it. Um, I love not having to think about what I need to watch. Um, I think that's like what radio does too. Like you don't have to think about what you want to play. Mm-hmm. And I love commercials for the fact that it does give time for people to converse. Yeah. But it doesn't happen on no. HBO and it doesn't happen with any live streaming services because we have like completely wiped out commercials first. If you pay for that, it, yeah. That's so, that's so interesting. That I hadn't even considered it like that. I mean, you know, because like HBO for a long time, you know, they've always been the ones without commercials and that was part of what you were paying for. But then uh, all the on-demand stuff... I hadn't even considered that one of the big things you lose, because I'm always thinking about all the great stuff you gain with with streaming and on demand, which is beautiful. You lose the, what did you think about what just happened? What did you think, you know, that, uh, hey, what did you think about that? You have to either pause it and interrupt the flow arbitrarily because there are no natural breaks, or you have to wait an hour until it's over and try to remember everything that you wanted to talk about. It's less, it's much less social. Uh, here's another one I'm going to tack on seasons get released as one package so everyone binges it you don't have people marinating 
on the beauty of the episodic week to week. Everyone, they did it with Game of Thrones. Look how much discussion you had. When you release yeah. a whole bundle at once, a whole Netflix series, there's no time for chatter. Did you watch it or not? Stranger Things did it, and I'm pissed they did because what <coughs> what a wonderful show to be rushed out. Because Julie and I, we're bingeaholics. Obviously, we're yeah. not going to just sit there and wa- wait a week to watch every episode. We're going to do it like two nights, maybe one, and yeah. then and you lose so much from that. You're like, you're done. You're like, so what do you think? It was good, <laughs> and then you go to yeah. bed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because you do you you because as as. You know, being in video, Julia, you know, being uh, coming from music, I know as a performer, people only remember the first thing and the last thing. That's it. The stuff in the middle, they they don't remember. That's why as a performer, it's so important that you, like, it's age-old advice, you open with your second strongest piece and you close with your strongest piece. As a speaker, I open with my second most interesting story and I close with my most interesting story. You can actually suck for a good portion of the middle. You shouldn't, but you could. And if you close strong. People will love it. They'll because they just remember the last thing. We've been skirting around kind of relationships. Uh, you mentioned sponsors. You know, you, that's one of the things you have to build relationships to get sponsorships. You have to build relationships with your community, with your subscribers. Um, the whole theme of this show is chance encounters, lasting impact. Uh, this is the first time I've ever had two people on at once. Do either of you, or both of you, or you together have a story of a chance encounter, someone that you you met randomly? that had a big impact on you or you on them or, or both? I mean, you can tell. Yeah. I mean, story. I think there's I'm, lots I'm trying of, to think of I think there's lots of different um, chance encounters, you know, and, and I think the, the, the thing is, um, oh, I know mine. I would motivate anybody, no matter what situation it is, to go out and say hello to people because you never know who you're going to meet and how that person is going to affect you. And that's why I love this topic. Um, JP and I were at a, a conference. It's called VidCon. It's in Anaheim, California. They do it every year. JP and I are going to be featured creators this year. So for the Yay! first time, we are invited. Congratulations. That's Thank amazing. You. Seriously, I'm like on cloud nine when I got that email. Yeah, it's like super, super awesome. Um, People that don't know what they're missing are like, oh, that's cool. But people that know what you're missing are like, oh, my God. But to go back a step, you know, yeah. uh, it was like the second or third year we went. We were um, under a million subscribers, maybe around 300, whatever, thousand. Um, and we're at... Um, this restaurant at a hotel across the street from the conference center because I just like, I believe it or not, I'm actually kind of a picky eater. After I eat so much cheese, I have to go for like something green and it's just food truck heaven and everything's covered in cheese and deep fried. I'm like, let's go see if we can find a salad in there. And uh, JP's orders nachos, by the way, while we're there. So it defeats my purpose. But <laughs> so we're out there and uh, JP and I see these kind of important looking people just at a table next door talking, they're drinking wine, whatever. And they, they we see their tags and their tags say um, uh, influencer or something like that, top creator, something important. Featured. Featured creator. And uh, JP was like, pushed me out of my chair and go talk to them. So um, we just clicked right away and uh, ended up seeing them at a party later in the day or the day after. And... Uh, exchange business cards and turns out that they are a uh, 
a two million plus subscribe channel that does DIY projects, Rob and Corinne, a couple just like us. And we just became friends right away. And I learned that they're um, headquartered in North Carolina. So when we moved from uh, New York to uh, Florida, we stopped by their place on the drive and did some collaborations. Mm. And um, I can't credit them entirely, but they helped us on a huge push towards a million subscribers Mm. um, with that collaboration. We got so many subscribers on the day that we did release that collab. So I think like chance encounter, of course it was a little bit of a forced chance encounter. It's like, go talk to that person, but you have to motivate yourself. Uh, otherwise it won't happen. I think that that is a huge point. Um, the whole, you know, the reason that I'm running this podcast is to hopefully inspire and encourage people who listen over and over and over again to to show up on a daily basis to that there are no meaningless uh, encounters. There are no meaningless interactions that everyone you meet is important. And it doesn't mean that they can do something for you for your business. It doesn't mean that they're the hiring manager at the company of your dreams. Sometimes it works out like that, right? But the fact that you're willing to put yourself out there and say hello and strike up a conversation and be sociable and it's active. Like people have this idea that like luck happens purely on accident. And then you look at some people and you go, gosh, how how are they so lucky so often? It's because they're deliberately putting themselves in situations where they're more likely to be lucky and they're putting themselves out there on a daily basis, right? And to bring, yeah, yeah to, to bring that up uh, again is the other times we went to VidCon, like going to VidCon, that is the reason you go, even if you're not featured or you're just a creator and you're on the second level with all the security, you can still meet people and, and that's the best place to do it. Meet creative people, meet people that are doing the similar stuff as you. Obviously, that's what I think the purpose of conventions are, but it's like, but you do have to make the effort to go. And like, for us, it was expensive. Like we had to get a flight out to LA. We had to, you know, we had to pay for our own hotel and all this stuff. We had to pay for our ticket. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's an investment. You have to yeah. get time <clears throat> off work. So you're not getting paid. So you be- yeah. best, when you go, you best make the best of it, you know, because you invested that money into it. Let me dig into that for for a moment because there are so many people in so many different industries that do attend conferences and I see it all the time they they they're doing conferences wrong right as it's what you were just saying that they they go through the trouble of buying the ticket and getting the hotel and taking time off work and then they just hang out with the two people they came with the whole oh, no. conference yeah. so do you have what would be some advice for any industry for any whether they're accountants going to accounting conference what would be your advice for making the most out of that opportunity maybe developing some fun social games to help you initiate conversation Um, even just have a list of really good questions to ask somebody that aren't like the generic because you don't want to seem i guess like you have some motive (laughs) i think an easier way than that would be just to kind of look at the conference list of events and choose the ones that have interactive components. Oh, like uh, Q and A, meet meet up with different creators. Oh, okay, that sounds good. Meet with different accountants, things like that. Or you can just go to social rooms, or there's uh, normally like events like parties or shows and and with like group activities. Just show up, and you know, chances are you're going to run into somebody that you connect with. That's true. Uh, I, it, it blows my mind that sometimes these conferences or whatnot are um, where people wouldn't be active at them. But yeah, I mean, at any conference, there are a schedule. And, you know, if you're really passionate about being there, 
then I think that you really don't need any advice when you're passionate about being there because then things are just going to happen anyway because you you want to be there. You're there. Yeah. The beauty, the beauty of the conferences and getting off of the internet um, is that you end up in a room of like-minded people on a similar journey that you're on, right? They, you know that almost everybody in that room shares some of your core beliefs. And so it, it really feels like it should be easy to just strike up a conversation with anybody in a place like that. And yet just so many people don't do it. So I think this is a really good reminder for anybody listening, like say hello. And people get confused about how to do that. I get asked, because I, I do communication training now and I do networking workshops for college students. I run networking workshops where literally everyone who shows up, college students, they've self-selected, they've signed up, they're not forced to be there. And it's a networking workshop. And the first time I say spend five minutes networking, like like spend five minutes meeting people before I start telling you anything. Everyone's too afraid to say hello to anyone. And you're like, there's never been a better chance. Everyone here is here for networking. You know there's a 0% chance of being rejected right now and people are still afraid to do it. So I, I think what you guys were just saying is, is really crucial. We're coming on in towards towards the end. Before I ask you a final question, where should we find you? I know it's 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 YouTube, but why don't you guys tell me where where do you want people to go check you out? You can check us out at youtube.com slash healthy junk food. That's H-E-L-L-T-H-Y junk food. All one word. That was that was so radio ad of you. I love you got <laughs> right you got like right into the mic on that one. H E L L. I got uh, when I do shameless plugs, it has to sound audible. <laughs> We also have our social media. You know, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitch, all the things. But YouTube is our baby. That's where we kind of put all of our like pride and joy. Every video we post there is like something we love and we want to share with you. And because healthy junk food is such, you know, uh, spelled wrong, we, it's the same across all platforms. It's all spelled wrong across all platforms. It's not healthy, but it is healthy. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not something like if you're on a diet. Hell like, thy junk food. You know, just, just kind of watch for, for comedic and entertainment purposes. But, you know, you might learn how to cook. Some Sometimes we get comments saying, wow, like I didn't think I was going to learn how to cook from this video, but I did and I'm inspired too. And for that reason, we also have a shop.healthyjunkfood.com. <laughs> <laughs> where you can pick up your own aprons and cutting boards um but you know it, right. it no, kind of great. comes with the comes with the territory. He'll, he'll tighten this up in post <laughs> no 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 it's great and I, and I think people should definitely check it out and one of the easiest and i think uh we were talking about sponsorships earlier how do people on youtube make money one of the fastest easiest ways to support anybody who's creating online is to buy their merch because that goes directly to the creators usually. So all the way towards the beginning of this conversation, if I'm remembering correctly, our alma mater, SUNY Oneonta, it came up. That's where we both went to school, Julia. And you, on the channel, you just recently did two videos, unless I missed any, I saw two videos that I watched and loved. The world's largest Simpsons donut was uh, filmed, at, and that was a riot, by the way. Also incredibly uh, unsanitary, and I'm a germaphobe, and I was very freaked out with that video. And- The next one <laughs> yeah, be just as bad. Yeah, because you were feeding it to everyone, And the uh, DIY lickable wallpaper, a la Willy Wonka, which was wonderful. W what was the motivation to head back to SUNY Oneonta? I mean, when you were there, did you have any relationship with with uh, the, the folks who work in the- 
food department? So what what the, what do you call that department? Sodexo. The dining halls. <laughs> this is not a commercial. Sodexo? We do want to be sponsored, though. <laughs> I'm talking for your podcast, also. Um, <laughs> no, well, actually, um, I think all of us had experiences at the dining halls lots of times. If you went to the school, um, I and not exactly. I didn't have relationships with these people, but it's a. Uh, I guess another random encounter, um, JP and I were um, asked to uh, be interviewed for an article in the Daily Star, which is the local Oneana newspaper by a lady, uh, Jessica Reynolds. And uh, and mm-hmm. this is when we we had been doing the YouTube channel for a little while. Maybe we're around... Yeah, 60, I think it was like 60,000 subscribers at the time. So we hadn't really like blown up or anything like that, but it was of interest of local newspaper in Oneonta to interview us about our YouTube channel. So I met Jessica at that time. One thing I just want to add real quick, and that's for anyone that becomes a YouTuber, is be proud of every milestone you had. Because when we hit 10,000, I'm like, Mom, we made it. And too many people are like, I only have 10,000. So I think people need to really glorify their, their milestones. Appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so long story short, Jessica ended up getting a job working for the uh, social media department at the university. And she contacted me saying um, she loves what we're doing and kind of invited us back if we had any ideas. And when JP and I put our heads together, we were like, hey, this is what we want to do. This is when we can come. Can we make it happen? And uh, she was so great in putting us in touch with everyone at the um, university and the in the dining halls and everything like that, the head of the department. And uh, getting in with them, we actually have one more video at the university. Oh, excuse me. Two more videos at the university going to be going live in the next few weeks. We worked at the dining halls. And we also worked at the local Starbucks on campus. So um, we really want to, on top of just making recipes and being home chefs, also show people, especially in the food industry, like if you want a job, like it's out there and I want to show people how to do that and what it's like working places. So we've been doing a series on that and I'm really excited that the university really liked that idea and they wanted us to uh, to be in the position of working at the Starbucks or the dining hall. So um, we're going to be putting that up soon. Uh, right. Not oh. not associated to the university, but we worked at as uh, delivery drivers at the Domino's in Oneonta too. So you'll be able to see that video. We did have to deliver pizza to the university. So I mean, I, it's really hard to get into these places. So when we do, it's like striking gold because, you know, these corporations, they have all these rules and stuff. Yeah. So It's really hard to get into these places. And the show Undercover Boss does it really well because they're a huge production and they get all the approvals. Mm -hmm. But I really enjoy seeing like the behind the scenes of these places. So for us, we enjoy it a lot. It it, it was really, it was not just because I obviously recognized the environment from having been a student there and I'm still very involved with the university on a yearly basis. But for me, it was it's always really fun to see a totally different perspective especially when you're a student and you spend most of your time complaining about the food <laughs> and you know but then you you guys you go behind the scenes and you meet the people and you forget it's like it's they're, they're people they're people back there making that food and they're making it every day and and they're working within the constraints that they have to work with uh but but it was awesome to see that um other perspective it, it kind of it kind of brings you back to normal, especially when it's easy to complain about something when you don't see the people. It's so true. I never would have known until we were there that all of the bread, all of the cookies, every pastry and cupcake, etc., they make it right there on the campus. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, like the bread. They even slice the bread after they make <laughs> the bread. That's how fresh of bread it is. 
Final question. We'll wrap this up. I can't thank you enough for your time. I know how busy your production schedule is. I'm so glad we could make this work. I'm in Florida at least a couple of times a year. I'm always happy to go to Orlando. Hopefully we can all do some sort of collab or meet up or at least get a cup of coffee uh, soon. Butter for beer. anybody. Yeah, <laughs> butter beer. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if my wife were home right now and listening to this, she would have been very excited about that. We, <laughs> we, uh, we went, we, we're, Dis- we're Disney fanatics. So we went on our honeymoon. We did a week at Disney, but we took one of those days to do the Harry Potter world for the full day, which we had never been to. We're Harry Potter fanatics. So definitely on for that. Um, fi- final question. One piece of advice that you would give to aspiring artists, creators, young professionals coming into this very dicey economy where all the traditional stuff seems to be collapsing in favor of the internet. What what What's the piece of advice you would have? I'm going to say something that might seem pretty obvious, but if you're, if you find, if you truly find what you're passionate about, you won't have expectation, you won't burn out and you will succeed at it. But sometimes it's hard to find that, that passion. So it's more soul searching, really dig down deep. What is it that you love doing? And then you don't have to pick, be right, the first time you could think you like something and then you're like, ah, and don't be afraid to pivot when something doesn't work. Actually, please pivot when something doesn't work. But I, I just, I don't think that you should take no for an answer. And when people are negative around you, avoid that. Um, because you can do anything that you want to do. Appreciate that. Well, listen, Thank you so much for uh, for being here today. Uh, everybody should definitely go check out the channel. I'm sure they will. I wish you guys nothing but more and more and more success. It's truly from someone who has dabbled in YouTube for the last couple of years, uploaded hundreds of videos, and climbed my way to 10,000 subscribers, which I will I will now applaud myself for, as opposed to apologizing for it. I know how hard it is to build an audience on YouTube with how competitive it is so congratulations on all your success good luck at vidcon and i hope we all get to see lots of uh videos uh, w- would there be would they be on your second channel more likely vlog style from vidcon we've been we've been doing a lot less like vlogs on things that we've already done so we're focusing more on like travel like we have a philippines trip in the works Ooh. and and there's so much fresh content and cultural content you can get from that that if we just showed ourselves like, woo, we're a VidCon, it kind of gets, you know, it's just, that's our time away mm-hmm. from filming. So we're probably going to keep that pretty closed doors. But it depends. You know, it's in July. We might decide, oh, you know, we might film something and do a collab out there with one of our friends that that may be a YouTuber. So everyone's just going to have to stay tuned for that. <laughs> um, but, the, but there's always another project. Like today, right before I was on the phone with you, I've been doing research on giant 15-pound lobsters because <laughs> I want to make a mukbang. And I don't know why. I'm just so passionate about trying to do this. And I don't know if it's going to work, but sometimes it's good to put yourself in, in a situation where you just do it. You know, just do it. Sponsored by Nike. All right. (laughs) Before your jaw drops, literally, at the world's largest Simpsons donut, here are a few takeaways from this episode. First, 
The path to success is never straight or obvious. JP and Julia tested tons of ideas along the way before settling into the format that really streamlined their YouTube career. Go for it with everything you've got, but if it doesn't work, pivot. Second, take every opportunity you can to connect with like-minded people. Attend industry events, whatever industry you're in, and spend your time meeting new people. These kinds of collisions are at the heart of learning and are the roadmap to success. And finally, JP said it the best and the simplest. Be proud of every milestone. Definitely head to YouTube and check out Healthy Junk Food. That's H-E-L-L-T-H-Y, junk food, all one word. Check the show notes on onenewperson.com for all the related links, including their YouTube channel, their social media accounts, and the handful of videos that we mentioned in this particular episode, including the world's largest Simpsons donut, which was ridiculous. Consider joining the One New Person community by going to brianmillerspeaks.com slash one new person and get on the email list where you will get notified every time a new episode drops and access to bonus episodes like full uncut conversations with our wildest guests. And uh, yeah, this one is going to make that cut because there was a ton of stuff that I had to get rid of in the edit. Sorry, JP. It's all coming out. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. I'm Brian Miller. This is One New Person, and we'll see you next time.